So guys, uh, so this is a little thing we decided to do. We've been thinking about doing it for a little bit, but uh, I think it's going to be fun. So uh, why don't you let the people know what we're doing here today? So today we're going to be talking a little bit about, you know, combat sports, UFC, recapping the card. So what, what is what we're doing called, by the way? Oh, it is called Combat Club with the Fox Brothers, Brothers Fox, I believe. Brothers Fox. Combat Club with the Brothers Fox. And uh, it's a new thing we're going to be hopefully doing weekly, uh, barring, you know, school and personal engagements. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to be talking about the UFC fights. We're going to be talking about combat sports and the landscape of combat sports around the world. And uh, first off, you know, I just thought we'd uh, go in and introduce ourselves a little bit, uh, talk about what makes us qualified to talk about this stuff. Um, you and me both have a very interesting perspective on combat sports and what they are and, you know, what they do for people. So uh, if you want to start off talking about your experience with combat sports by maybe uh, talking about the first UFC event you ever watched. Yeah. So for me, the first I can remember, I'm fairly sure I had watched, you know, many cards before this, but I was uh, really young when I started watching the UFC. But for me, the first card I really remember is uh, Anderson Silva versus Vitor Belfort when Anderson Silva front kicked him in the face. I believe I was eight years old. That card was in 2011. Was it in the UFC I, 120s? I remember that one. It was a good one. Yeah. One of the best finishes in UFC history. I'm oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think on UFC's uh, top 100 that they did for, I want to say their 20th year anniversary, I think that was their number one KO. Obviously, I think there's better KOs now, but I mean, that's iconic for sure. Yeah, just the implications that fight had is Anderson Silva kind of being, you know, the best athlete at that time. And, yeah. you know, consens like consensus wise, he was the GOAT and yeah. he looked unbeatable during that time. And I just he really did. Like, this guy is fucking ridiculous. Like, even against even against TRT Tour, who like you know yeah. everyone had problems with. So well, for me, my first UFC card I remember watching is actually a little bit of a crazy story because I remember old man our pops would always talk about the UFC, and you know, mom would always frown upon it. All that not frown upon it, but just kind of like laugh it off a little bit. But uh, I remember going to the bathroom in the middle of the night, and uh, their door was open, and I saw in the mirror old man was watching the Ultimate Fighter. And so I kind of stood there for a second and an ad played for a rampage versus Evans, their first fight or their only fight. They've only fought once. Um, and that was actually, you know, that's one of the only pay-per-views not with a Conor McGregor headline that did a million buys. So I guess I'm kind of like a poser, but that was uh, one of, that was my first UFC. I think it was UFC 117, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and what a great introduction into the sport, at least in terms of hype, the fight itself is kind of shitty. It's kind of a flop. Yeah. Uh, Rampage almost poured it on at the end, but uh, yeah. So as far as the show and uh, our expertise on combat sports, uh, what do you got? Like, what's your background? What are you? Uh, what do you want to tell the people? Well, you know, I am a high school wrestler. Been watching and fo I mean following combat sports my entire life. Uh, we've been, you know, when we were really young, our dad uh, kind of ushered us into the jujitsu game, even when we weren't really like. I was not old enough to comprehend <laughs> what was going on, but we were just always kind of on the mat at the original Carlson Gracie's in the city of Chicago. And if you guys didn't know, uh, Carlson is actually Hoist's uncle. So we have like really deep connection to the game that way. You can yeah, find Carlson was at our house several times. Yeah. And my roommate is Tenzo Gracie's god nephew. So that's pretty And, um, you know, <laughs> Stefan Bonner trained at that gym. Our dad was actually, I wouldn't, you know say necessarily friends but they were you know companions in training and uh my dad was 
at the the legendary right. Forrest Griffin Stefan Moner fight. So we got a lot of deep connections into the fight game for sure. And you know, training judo as a young kid, wrestling, all that stuff. Yeah. So I also want to talk about at that old gym was Miguel Torres, who uh, at that sure. time at the time was like number one pound. Yeah. 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 I mean, he went like thirty and zero. Dude was insane. You yeah, still see him like uh, you know coaching around at uh, Nagas. I still think that him and uh, him and Demetrius Johnson, one of the great robberies in all of MMA. Yeah, I think he got fucking robbed. Like he swept he swept DJ Demount six times. But Jeez. anyway, so uh, if you know me, you know who I am. Uh, you know, I've been around uh, wrestling since I was eight years old. Uh, college wrestled for two years until I unceremoniously retired this past year to focus on my studies and taking care of my body. Uh, doing jiu-jitsu for a very long time. Uh, placed at many jiu-jitsu tournaments. Uh, and looking forward to doing more of that. Judo as well. I took fourth at the Junior Olympics in judo when I was uh, 12. And it doesn't really mean much. But, you know, you look at the landscape of that bracket. Some of those kids are like Olympic competitors. They're like Olympic challengers now. doesn't say shit about me back then, really. But uh, basically, we've just been around this combat sports space for so long. And it's to a point where it's like obsessive for us. And we don't really have anyone to talk about it. Because no one really knows the same stuff that we do to the same yeah. Like when you tell somebody of the professional era, you know, like, yeah, when you tell like one of your friends that you're like a fan of the UFC, like, oh, that's really into combat sports. You're like, oh yeah, Conor McGregor. Like they think they they know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even that. And, you know, I talk to my roommates and they try, like they want to be fans of the sport and they try to make deep cuts, but it's just not the same. Like nobody really understands, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, there's certain nuances that you get from being around the sport for a long time. And that I think comes in a little, in part, a little bit to the way the business works and, I think we've had good exposure to that over the years, uh, you know, and got good information. So for sure. Uh, I agree in the sense also that like watching a fight, you know, I feel like we have an eye to pick out like the actual skill of these fighters sure, more for sure. than people who are, you know, casual fans. Like, yeah. And, you know, ca- casual fans are cool. I think they're really helping the sport. I think Conor McGregor has done amazing things for the sport. For sure. uh, but, you know, I mean, we're talking about some real stuff, so uh, let's get into it. Without further ado, we're going to start the podcast now. Uh, we're going to start with our recap of the UFC on uh, UFC Vegas card this past weekend uh, with the main event of Jose Aldo versus Rob Font. Uh, and let's get into that. What did you think of the performance by Aldo? Uh, one of the best performances of his career, which just keeps going. I mean, Somehow it yeah, just keeps going. Looked great at 35. I don't know how the hell he can make the weight because even when he was at 45, everybody – He was gigantic. Was like, yeah, after Connor beat him at 45, everybody's like, oh, Aldo's moving up, bro. He's going to fight at 55. Like, yeah, he's gonna I mean, he was much under. bigger than Chad Mendes. Chad Mendes is now, like, I think he's taking a boxing match in bare knuckle at 170. I think that's what he's doing. They offered him Oscar De La Hoya at 175, which is just insane. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Aldo, like, he's having one of these great career resurgences, one of these great old heads that are coming back and uh, making old fans like us nostalgic. And uh, we're actually going to get into that a little bit more later, but – um, I really do think that, uh, you know, yeah, uh, I just want to really touch up on like how Jose Aldo, his power looked tremendous. I know he, like, carried, he carried all his power from 45. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's just like, kind of like reminds me of that maybe that like Conor McGregor effect where he kind of had that touch of death at 35, you know, and maybe it doesn't translate to like the 155ers. Like it didn't really translate to the 145ers. I mean, Jose Aldo, obviously great, like kicks and great knees. But yeah. we didn't really see him, you know, knocking out tons of people with the hands. Yeah. But maybe at 135, you know, it's a different story. 
I mean, by round five, Rob Font looked scared. Rob Font was off his off. Everything he was touching, like the first shot he hit him with. He didn't hit him with a single shot the entire first round. And let's not not make any illusions here. Jose Aldo could have finished that fight, right? And I think Jose Aldo can compete with anybody that weight class. I mean, truly, I know. We're going to get into talking about the weight class a little bit later, but uh, I I agree with you. I think that Jose Aldo is, uh, you know, he's a force now. And yeah, we talk talk about Jose Aldo. We talk about how, uh, you know, I mean, Rob Font, nothing to sneeze at, man. I I thought he was, you know, definitely top three in the division. I thought, you know, with this, I I actually picked him to win this fight uh, until about an hour, until about an hour before the fight, until about an hour before the fight. I'm I'm starting to listen to all the hype. I'm starting to think about it too much. And, you know, I I wanted Aldo to win. You know, I, I really love to see these guys coming back and making these statements. Um, and every time he hit Rob, Rob just like he got like the doe eyes, right? Like it looked like uh, Megan Anderson versus Amanda Nunes every time. <laughs> not not that bad, right? But it's that similar effect. Like, what what uh, what, D, what DC was talking about during that fight, where every time Amanda hit her, Megan was just like, "Oh my god!" Pros, yeah, didn't know yeah. like. Couldn't ever get off. Unexpected. And a lot of people talked about like uh, how Rob Font looked great in the first round, which I guess to a to a sense he did. Like he was trying to put the pressure on Jose Aldo, but I believe that if Rob Font maybe would have picked his shots more and just stuck to like you know his clean boxing, like we saw him jab Cody Garbrandt a hundred million times, and he didn't really have. He didn't even fight behind the jab. I mean, he tried to, but it was just like kind of wild in a sense. It reminded me a little bit of like how Aljamain Sterling just came out on fire against yeah. Pedrion. And like that can work, but like I just would rather see him, you know, stick to what got him there, you know. Yeah. Like, he didn't thing, have man. to do that against Cody Garbrandt. Why would he have to do it against Jose Aldo? For sure. And if, you know, if you talk about uh, a guy like Jose Aldo, it really looks like the blueprint to beat him is what Peter Jan did. And if you look at that fight, re-watching that fight, a lot of people think it was 2-2 going into the fifth round. A lot of people think that was a much closer fight than, it, I mean, you see, the fifth round was shaping up to be close to a 10-8. Possible that the fourth round was 10-8, although it was very gassed. But that's the way that's the way you got to beat Jose Aldo at this stage in his career, because his power is that. It's so great. Every time he touched Font, Font just, he looked stunned. You know, he looked like he was going for the knockout with every punch instead of fighting behind that jab, like he was doing well for the first round. I thought that he was going to win the first round until, you know. Well, yeah, he was winning the first round. People were talking about it being a 10-8. I mean, and obviously he outpressured him, but he kind of looked wild in doing it. Yeah, like, I agree. Wasn't really, and although it was know, so smart. I mean, we saw him get a little tired in the fifth round, but he's picking his shots, you know, and every time he hit him, it hurt. So anyway, let, let's get into the co-main event now. We'll talk a little bit more about the implications of Jose Aldo's win on that division a bit later. Uh, but the co-main event, we saw teammates, ex-teammates, friends, and uh, fucking savages, Brad Riddell and Rafael Fazeev go to war. Uh, wasn't so much like a, a crazy fight like we were expecting, I think, but it was a technical war. And uh, we saw, you know, I, I honestly thought that uh, Brad was going to seal up that third round. He had one takedown, one probably like half takedown. Um, and it looked like Brad was on his way to winning. I thought you had to give him at least one or two. Uh, first round was really close. Second round was really close. I thought yeah. you're going to get close a fight. very close fight. Uh, and they know each other very well, so that's going to happen. Brad made one mistake. He thought that kick was going to the body, put his hands down. 
and uh, just lit him up up top. And it was kind of scary. It was a scary knockout because it, it looked like yeah, it was a weird one. It was one of those ones where it wasn't like the normal reaction you get. But yeah. you could see he like started saying something. Almost. Yeah, I don't know what he was saying. Really, like, they, like mic'd up. Like he probably yeah. said some crazy. I don't know what he said, but it uh, wasn't quite. Okay. Israel Adesanya was on his podcast uh, reacting to the fight. And uh, he tried to make the claim that it looked like Brad was shooting for a takedown. He wasn't. He was gone. No, he, he was there. putting his hands up in yeah, weird ways. He wasn't there. It didn't look right. Yeah. He wasn't there. Was a great job sure. by her being. Uh, and, you know, Fazeev's got a lot of upside now, dude. He's got a crazy win streak uh, against really tough guys. Bobby Green fight was awesome. This fight was awesome. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough pick with the way lightweight's working right now. But uh, where do you see him fitting in in this weight class? Uh, let me take a look real quick. You know, Shaziv, I think he kind of has to be careful with who he picks just because he hasn't really shown, you know, like the wrestling defense at all or like. So that's the thing. My my good matchup for him next is going to be a, a Gregor Gillespie type to test the wrestling, even though Gregor's an amazing wrestler for the division. Uh, I think that that's his next test. I think he has to show that he can go with a wrestler before he gets to that upper echelon. What do you think about that matchup? Gregor? I agree for sure. Um Gregor Gillespie is a good matchup for him, but I think he's going to be looking for somebody, you know, more in the top. In the top. I mean, Rafael Faziv, he's uh, done pretty well campaigning himself and getting his name out there, you know, all these guys. Are the Vince Vaughn, right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, he's funny. Like, <laughs> English, they just say, like, the, the, it sounds Who do you so want to fight? Yeah, it's hilarious. It's and, hilarious, right? Yeah, I so, think, you know, I'm not – I don't know if Tony Ferguson is tied up in anything right now. They can't reach Tony. They can't, they can't reach Tony? Yeah. Oh, I mean, all these guys at the top, you know, you got Islam fighting, Darius. I mean, oh, I'm not no. sure. Here's, here's a good one. And if, if uh, Conor McGregor might have something to say about this, what about Michael Chandler? Oh, for sure. I mean, Michael Chandler's just coming off that loss. He's definitely going to need a lot of time to heal. That was a yeah. very tough fight. So, yeah, I mean, my, my three, my three picks for the fight, we're looking uh, – I would like Chandler. I would like to see RDA in there uh, with his yeah. – I think it's that's a great litmus test for RDA to show if he's still got it, whereas, uh, you know, if Fizzy can go with those takedowns, I think it's a big step up for him in the division, working with the ground game of RDA, especially yeah. a legend like RDA. I mean, RDA is not fought – if you look at RDA's last, like, RDA's two fights – Challenge to anybody still, though. Yeah. Anyone. I mean, RDA is yeah. anyone. It's a backup for the title fight. It's crazy. And Gregor Gillespie, yeah, those are three great options. I three think. great options for Fazeev. Uh, and then we're going to talk more about – or I'm going to talk more about him later, but uh, what about Chris Curtis, man? What about Chris Curtis, 6-0 in 2021? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's looked incredible in both of his fights. Uh, this is a guy who's – he's a 70-pounder. He's a 70-pounder. He's fighting up at 85 against two humongous 85-pounders and looked great. Yeah, that dude hits like <laughs> – he just – He's one of those guys where he can pick his shots the whole fight just because he knows, like, if one lands, it's going to be wraps. So here's what I'm talking – here's what I'm thinking about for uh, – I saw really two great things from Chris Curtis. Uh, Brendan Allen started the fight and looked like he thought Chris Curtis was – Brendan Allen's tough. Brendan Allen's he good. He's ranked, he's been I thought ranked he as good. 11th. He's been ranked as high as 11th, 12th. I don't know why he's not in the rankings now, probably just inactivity. Uh, but – Brendan Allen's awesome. Uh, and I saw two really great things from Chris Curtis that were super encouraging about his chances of making a statement in either division, 85 or 70. Uh, when Brendan Allen shot for a takedown, Chris Curtis did not spend 35 minutes 
fighting off or whatever, the crazy amount of time fighting off the takedown. He went with it. He bailed right away, got to his feet, gave up his back, which was a little sketchy, but he feels comfortable there. And he knows that he can get up. That's a big thing against the wrestlers of this division, like Brunson and Vittori, knowing you can get up because that's the key, right? You got to get past those gritty guys. If you even want a shot for sure. So, and I love that he did that also, dude, his body work. He started laying the foundation in the body. In the yeah, first he was round. talking about a lot about that. No, no, but DC didn't start talking about it early enough because he started laying the foundation in the body in the first round and nobody was seeing sure, it. And that's what set up the knockout. It helped him set up the knockout. And Allen was hurt to the body. You saw when Allen shot for a single leg and instead of taking little pitter-patty body punches, he uh, sat for a leg lock. I mean, who does yeah. that in an MMA fight? You know, leg locks. <laughs> I mean, you, you get a leg lock when you're getting swept. Or when you're going yeah. from one off the bottom, but for like to go to a leg lock, unless you're Ryan Hall, you can expect to get punched in the face, and even Ryan Hall can expect to get punched in the face, as we Thanks. saw in the performance. Uh, but yeah, overall a, a great card. I mean, congrats, congrats to Chris Curtis. Uh, this guy is like six and zero, oh, you know, and he's like, real. I don't real. think he has this year. Like that's unheard of. When Kevin Holland went Kevin like Holland won five. five but- and everybody was talking about him. I mean, yeah. he did be like Jock Ray, you know. Yeah, he beat great fighters, but, but dude, Brendan Allen, Brendan Allen yeah. beat up Kevin Holland. It wasn't yeah. a close fight. It was not a close fight. And I, I know Kevin's gonna well, Kevin won't like to get that one back because he's gone down to 70. Uh, but you know, I mean, dude, this guy's real. He's real at both weight classes. He's he real is, at eight. Uh, I, I want to see him at 70 next. Uh I don't know. Off the top of my head, who I'd like to see him fight. He's talking about fighting uh, the dude that just beat Malky Patolo last weekend. Uh, I think who's not really a big name. Just wants to have kind of a friend, avenge his friend's loss. That's what he's talking about in the MMA hour. Uh, but I really want to see him in there with a guy who has a number next to his name, preferably one that's above 10, but below 15. Uh, I, want, I want to see him with those 10 through 15 guys. I, w- I want to see how he does. I think Brendan Allen's right up there. So. All right. So Obviously, we, I think this light heavyweight bout is worth talking about too. You know, we got a first round stoppage, forty eight seconds in. Against, yeah, well, I'm going to get to him later. Good but guy, dude. You know, this guy. Jimmy Cruz, good fighter. Like, no, people, you, you know, you don't get in there and walk through a, a good guy in forty eight seconds unless you're the real deal. You know, did you, did like, you get so a chance, him with so, that? Let me ask you this: Did you get a chance to watch Jamal Hill's last fight against Paul uh, Craig? Who's that against? Paul Craig. Oh, he got his arm broke, of course. He got his arm broken. So in that situation, Jamal let Paul close the distance, wrap him up, and pull guard. Jamal is not letting anyone do that ever again, bro. The way, <laughs> the way he threw those hands, he knew exactly where Jimmy – Jimmy was go- wanted to take that fight to the ground right away, right? Jimmy wanted to go down. He did not want any part of the hands. This Jamal Hill, this version that we saw this weekend, he's real. He can scrap. He can scrap with anyone. Jimmy Cruz Jimmy Cruz the man. Yeah, Jimmy Crew is the man. And I mean, this guy is also only nine and one. Yeah, still very young. Got a bright future ahead of him for sure. He's tough as hell. Uh, and you saw him when he got his arm broken, he's trying to punch with the, the uh, yeah. he was sitting there doing the interview with Joe, and his arm is just like all dangling out and stuff. It's yeah, it's funny. Speaking of Joe Rogan, we're seeing him on a card this weekend, UFC 269. It's very rare actually we get Joe out to the cards nowadays, but uh you know. Happy, happy that we're getting them, and we're happy that we're getting such a, a crazy card such as this one. So, uh, with with our analysis, we're just going to go right to picks, uh, picks for winners. Uh, you can pick method; you don't have to. Um, but we're going to start at the bottom. I think we should uh, pick method. You can pick method. That's fine. 
We start with the bottom. Uh, we're going to start with uh, two prelim fights, actually. Uh, Dominic Cruz versus Pedro Munoz. What do you think about that fight? Personally, uh, I'm looking for Dominic Cruz to get the job done. I mean, both of these guys are like seasoned veterans, you know, been around the game for a while now. But Dominic Cruz, I mean, you can't ignore the fact that this guy was, you know, once thought of to be one of the best, you know, one of the best fighters in the UFC. And I just don't see there being many ways that Pedro Munoz gets it done. I mean, Dominic Cruz going to get in there and not get hit, take super low damage like he does and get that decision. This fight is even money right now. And that's criminal. I think it's absolutely criminal. I think that that fight, I think, I think, when I make my pick at the end of the show, you'll see that I'm getting away with highway robbery when I'm picking Dominic Cruz by decision. Because if you if you look at Pedro's career, even early, he struggled with guys who are fast. He's slow. He's not slow, but he's plotting, right? Like he likes to set up his shots and leg. Very technical. Yeah. He, you know, he's he's plods forward and he, you know, he sets things up and he sets traps. But Dominic is so fast, it's a terrible style matchup for Pedro. So I, yeah, I'm gonna agree with you here. And even money just seems crazy to me for a matchup like this. I'm going to go with Dominic Cruz, uh, unanimous decision. Uh, we can go to Josh Emmett versus Danny Ige now. For me, uh, I'm looking for Danny Ige to make another big statement. You know, I think Danny Ige is, you know, one of the dark horses in that division still, even coming off that loss to the Korean Zombie. I mean, he made it all five rounds. I mean, Korean Zombie is a great fighter. And he looked absolutely phenomenal in that fight. In that fight before, I mean, Danny Gay got the job done in 22 seconds, which is just like, you know, another level. So I'm looking for Danny Gay to also get that uh, decision victory. Uh, Josh Emmett's a tough guy, but I think he's a little bit, you know, over the hill. He had his little. In so so many words, I I can agree with you there. Uh, I like Gay for his toughness. Uh, I think we saw that in the Barboza fight. Where, uh, you know, I, I thought Barboza won, but, uh, you know, even so, we've seen him scrap with some of the division's best uh, five rounds with the Korean Zombie in a fight that was competitive, you know. Yeah. Uh, he didn't win, but it was competitive. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say that, uh, you know, Josh Emmett's the biggest 45 punter on the roster, probably. He's ginormous. He hits uh, hard, but he hits very hard, and we look for this in the first round. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, after dealing with that grit of Danny Gay for three rounds, I don't think it's going to look very good. I see either a late stoppage or a decision win for Danny Gay. Mm-hmm. We can move on to the, the main card now. We got a fun one, a really fun one, underrated fight on this card. Uh, a lot of people are considering this a wash, but how Leon Paiva versus Sean O'Malley. Uh, what can you give us about this fight that hasn't already been said? Well, I don't know too much about how Paiva. Uh, come on, man. Paiva's the guy. Yeah, I know. Huh? Team Alpha Male. He's a Team Alpha Male guy. Alpha Male, okay. But uh, I know that Sean O'Malley, I believe, you know, he can make a step and beat much better fighters. I really believe in this guy. I think his striking is next level, and I'm looking uh, for him to get it done. Second round knockout. Uh, so where I'm at with you here, we saw in Piva's Piva a 25-pounder coming up. Uh, we saw in his last fight he was a huge dog to Kyler Phillips, who was ranked, I believe, Kyler Phillips is a tough guy, dude. Kyler Phillips has looked really good. I believe he came off the contender series uh, and it looked like a, a savage, looked like a future champ or at least a future contender. And we saw Paiva go through the ringer early, right? The first round, one judge scored at a 10-8. I agreed. Uh, 10-9 was fine, but he got beat up, man. He got dropped several times. And then we saw towards the second round, he just weathered the storm. He stayed in there and he's tough, man. He's tough. Needless to say, though, it's Sean O'Malley. 
who's we've seen, we've seen what he can do. This is actually, I think the O'Malley besides Cheeto, this is O'Malley's first like real fight post Cheeto. Uh, no, I thought that Almeida fight was going to be tough for him. No, nah, Almeida's washed. Almeida's washed. I, I love Thomas Almeida. I love what he used to do, but he's washed. Uh, I like. I think O'Malley's going to win. I think he's going to get tested. He's not going to be able to get Halion out of there based on what Kyler Phillips, a big, strong 35, hit him with. Uh, I, I think O'Malley by decision 29-28. That's what I'm thinking. I think that third round, Pivas can put it on him. Okay. I'd like to move on to uh, – Another fun one at flyweight. Uh, Kai Kara France versus Cody Garbrandt, a fight that has serious title implications, contender implications at the weight. A weight that's pretty much actually, uh, we got a new champ, so it's wide open right now. Uh, who are you taking? What do you think? This fight, what happens in this fight? Um, I really like Kai and Cody, both of them. Uh, should be a really fun fight, you know, good kickboxing matchup. But I think uh, Cody at the new weight class, that power is just going to translate even more if he can stay within himself. I'm thinking Cody gets the decision victory in a good scrap. So this is the first one I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, until we see Cody Garbrandt down at 25, you don't, you don't have me convinced. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I've seen pictures of him cutting weight. He looks terrible. He looks like he's really jacked up. He looks really skinny. Uh, and who knows how his power is going to translate. I'm hopeful that he's doing the weight cut right. I'm a big Cody Garbrandt fan. Uh, I like the way he fights. I, I like his style. This should be a great scrap. Uh, yeah, this. great. This is the fight of the night written all over it. Uh, Kai's never been in a boring fight, and it's about time he starts getting his due. Uh, I think his toughness really gets it done here. Uh, Cody, we, we saw Kai Carfrance get submitted by Brandon Royval. I don't think that Cody's got the submission game to do it to Kai Carfrance, so I think it's a kickboxing match. And I think overall the toughness of Kai is uh, going to be the answer here. I think we see a, a decision win for Kai Carfrance. Split over 29-28. Okay. Moving on to the next one. Yeah, this is your, this, uh, is got, your, this is your guy right here, huh? Got our <laughs> welterweight Jeff Neal matchup against Santiago Ponzinibbio. Uh, talk a little bit about both these guys. Ponzinibbio, for sure, a great fighter. Uh, a little bit older, more of a veteran. He had a long, you know, a little run at, where he beat Gunnar Nelson, amongst other things, and was on a win. Yeah, that streak. serious injury was out for a couple of years. Yeah, and then he came back and he got knocked out. But I believe he's had another fight since then, right? Yeah, so um, he had a, he had a fight of the year contender in his last fight. I don't remember the opponent off the top of my head. I think it was – I don't remember. But I know that he got knocked out by the leech in a pretty big upset. And yeah. Kind of set up the leech for this fight with Shemaev. Just got beat up, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then we got Jeff Neal, who's, you know, one of these upcoming guys who I truly believe in. Great kickboxing, dangerous hands. I'm t- looking for him to win by decision. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing all this stuff uh, with Jeff Neal and the DUI, the weapons charge yeah. coming out this week. And I was picking Jeff Neal to win uh, probably by knockout before this one. Puns and is tough. But, uh, you know, we see this stuff going on in, uh, in Neal's camp. And recently these last two fights has gone from bad to worse for Jeff, right? Like uh, we saw, you know, the Wonder Boy fight, if uh, Jeff had won that fight, he would have propelled himself in a title contention. Didn't be basically yeah. crap a goose egg, and then Neil Magny beat him up. wasn't close. So definitely got some stuff to work on in the last. Uh, I am tentatively going to take Ponzinibbio. I think it's going to be a close fight. I, I I'm hesitant to make this pick because I think it's the right fight to make at the right time. I think Ponzinibbio needed to take that step back with an unranked opponent like he did and had a great scrap to go up against Jeff Neal. I think Jeff Neal really needs this win. He can't go on a three-fight skid, not with the weapon. Yeah. It doesn't work. So 
Uh, I'm looking forward to this fight. I'm going to take Ponzinibbio. I'm going to take Ponzinibbio by uh, a late a late stoppage here. Uh, you get to the, the main event. Or it's a co-main event here. Co-main event. Amanda Nunes, the greatest women's fighter of all time, the GOAT of the women versus Juliana Pena, a good seasoned veteran. Been around the block a few times, fought everybody. Looking for Amanda Nunes to continue her reign get that first round knockout, put an absolute beating on her. Yeah. And just look flawless like she has for the last however many years. I mean, who and could really Ada's been talking too. Out. She's talked a really great game to get herself this fight. This, this is a first round knockout. This is a first yeah. round knockout. There's no way about it. Uh, right now, and we'll talk about this later when we make our picks. You know what first round stoppage for Amanda Nunes is? And what odds, is it? It's two to one dog. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Who's making those odds? This is this has first round knockout written all over it. All over it. Uh, Just like I mean, every time Amanda fights, like how can you pick? A, I mean, all, it yeah. seems like every time she gets there, and just looks. She gets flawless. better. She's just getting better. Yeah. She's getting better every fight. She looked great against Megan Anderson. She could have finished her however she wanted. Pena's tough. She's talking about mixing it up with the wrestling. I don't see it happening that way. I see, you know, a shot from Pena, quick sprawl from Nunez. Pena starts swinging wild and gets knocked out very early. All right, we're going to the main event now. Uh, I know for a fact. I know for a yeah. fact we're gonna right, get some roommate troubles over there for Mr. Yeah. Little, uh, little. I know for a fact that uh, you know this fight here gonna have some contention between the two of us, given our history with uh, Charles Oliveira. But uh, let's get into it. Actually, you know, you may be surprised in the fact that I'm picking Charles Oliveira in this one. Uh, I think you know that that jujitsu game is really gonna come in handy in places where you don't expect it. Uh, Charles Oliveira is like, in my opinion, gotta be maybe the most skilled fighter in the UFC at this point. He might not have like been tested and the grit and all that, except in this recent Michael Chandler fight, but I'm looking for Charles Oliveira to get this done by third round submission. So here's where I'm going with this fight. Uh, up until about two hours ago, I was picking Poirier and uh, it was just hard for me because I, we know the history I have with Charles Oliveira, Charles Oliveira, not a lot of people know this, but when Khabib retired, Charles Oliveira's biggest win of recent was over Kevin Lee. And me and Charlie had a conversation where we mapped out who the champs were going to be in one year's time. And I picked Charles Oliveira at 155. I didn't pick Dustin Poirier. I didn't pick Justin Gagey. I picked Charles Oliveira to be the champ at 155. And just less than a year later, uh, Charles Oliveira was able to get that done for me. And but, you know, I didn't see a lot of ways for him to win this fight. Uh, Dustin's got really great boxing. He's really gritty and tough. And we've seen that Charles, uh, you know, can be bought out of there sometimes. Sometimes he's like, he just packs up his lunch and goes home. That's how Daniel Cormier explained it, actually. Like, earlier in his career, we'd see these fights where Charles Oliveira packed up his lunch and went home, right? When he's getting beat up. And yeah, he's like, he wants to be there. That's one of the win, yeah. But DC mentioned this very well, is that in the Chandler fight, he didn't pick up his lunch and go home. He stuck around. And through this career, we've shown he's shown that he's not a pick up at his lunch and go home kind of guy. He's there's a time where he's eight eight in the UFC, uh, time where he's been through the ringer. So if we operate under the assumption that Charles Oliveira is not going to quit in this fight, we have to look at who is the more skilled, talented, and willful fighter, and that is Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira is the more skilled fighter. He's the more skilled athlete, and I'm picking him to win by third round submission, same as you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like needs to be said is that you know michael chandler is one pain in the ass to get out of there we saw 
Justin Gaethje hit him with the whole kitchen sink. Yeah. And you know, he was hurt, but he was still there. And against, you know, when Charles Oliveira, he hit him with that picture perfect left hook. I was yeah. like, you know, technically. It was, it was so you know, beautiful. It was, it was, so, it was beautiful. so, like, pretty. And, yeah. was, you know, he was gone. He got the stoppage. And that killer instinct and is going to come in, you know. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. Uh, Dustin Poirier never really been submitted, which is uh, probably why the odds are looking the way they are. But uh, I'm thinking that, uh, yeah, this is the time. This is the yeah. time for Charlie Ollis to separate himself and uh, prove he's that guy. All right, so now we're going to get into a little bit of the MMA news of the week, general happenings in combat sports, uh, some of our around-the-world kind of stuff. Uh, Really interesting point that I want to bring up at first is Dana White uh, went on the Jim Rome show. Uh, We haven't seen Dana White do much press recently. I was looking forward to seeing him in his press conference after this weekend's UFC event, Uh, but he unfortunately tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, You know, love and prayers, Dana White. Hoping he's doing fine. I'm sure he is. He's done media, so... Uh, he's, uh, what'd you say? He said he's a fucking goofball. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. Uh, so Dana White was on the Jim Rome show and in, uh, in back-to-back segments, Jim was able to ask him about Leon Edwards and Hamza Chumayev. And Dana was quoted by many major media outlets saying that people are scared of Chumayev, but they also said that within the week, they'll have a fight announcement for him. He also said that within the week he'll have a fight announcement for Leon Edwards. Were we right the whole time? Because everyone was saying that we weren't right. Everyone's saying we weren't right. Everyone was saying that it wasn't going to happen. What if they just pull the shit on us? I don't know where. Because I think we were right. I think that this Leon, this Leon Shamaya fight has legs. It's really the only fight to make. I mean, we've seen this fight be booked multiple times. And you know, Hamza wants to get out there as fast as possible. And Leon, I mean, he needs to get out there <laughs> sometime or else he could be getting, he honestly could be getting the snip. He's one of these guys that so long. And if he doesn't continue to win and make the UFC money, like yeah. he's not an asset to them. Usman said he's not going to be ready till May or June with his broken hand. Leon cannot wait around that long. He can't. No. He I mean, he's going to get passed up again. He's he going to get passed up. Because Chemayev will take a Gilbert Burns. He'll take one of those guys. He'll take a Sean Brady fight even. And then he'll be in a title fight, and Leon's going to be complaining again. And yeah, I love Leon. I think Leon, Leon, Leon is a great fighter, though. He's on a nine-fight win streak. He deserves a title shot, but he needs a signature win. And if you look at it, he hasn't gotten the signature win, right? He took all that time off. He got unlucky. He got unlucky because I think he deserved a title fight. I think he would have beat Woodley, and I think he would have gotten a title fight at the beginning of COVID. But – you know, it's, shit happens, right? It sucks. Leon's a great guy. He's a great fighter. He's done a lot of great work in England for social projects, but this guy's got to fight. He's got to fight, and he's got to fight Shamaya. He's got to fight Shamaya. It has to happen. For sure. Yeah. We'll get more into that fight later, though, I believe, right? So, yeah. Uh, we can talk about this for a second. I don't really want to even spend too much time on the Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley mess. But uh, what do you think? Um. You know, I think Tyron's doing the right thing here. Happy for him, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Jake is, you know, he's this whole this whole thing right now. It's like the second coming of freaking Conor McGregor. All, <laughs> and he's bringing a ton of eyes to the sport. And, I mean, so many people just even, like, know what MMA – so many more people just even know what MMA is now that Jake is doing it. So I'm happy that he's fighting Tyron again. Honestly, I think it would be another close fight. Uh no clue who wins that one get you know put more thought into that later so yeah where i'm at with this i, I honestly I, I like this better for tyron 
Uh, I like it better on a week and a half notice. He was training for a boxing match with Dan Hardy uh, at the beginning of next year and also a return to MMA next summer, uh, presumably in one of the small promotions. Uh, but I like it better for T-Wood. I like that he doesn't have to sit and play into Jake Paul's talking bullshit for, for a month. sure. I know he was uh, training. He's still training, though. He's in great yeah. shape. So that's the thing. He was training for the Dan Hardy fight. He was, Dan Hardy was coming out of retirement. They're going to do a boxing match. I, I thought he was starched Dan Hardy, obviously. But um, <laughs> Dan Hardy's so old. I've heard that guy's name in a long time. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, I, I think. And Dan Hardy actually went on a podcast today and said that fight's still happening. But Dan Hardy <laughs> really wants to fight, man. He just really wants to fight. Hey, good on him. He wants to fight. You know? Yeah. Good for him. Sure. Uh, I think it's better for Woodley that he's taking a week and a half notice. Uh, we'll get into that fight more later, but uh, yeah, I think it's better for him. Francisco Lopez at MMA Media this week talking about uh, Francis Ngannou and Cyril Ghosn, uh, that heavily anticipated heavyweight title unification bout next month. Uh, Francisco Lopez had actually had a lot to say, and he wasn't opinionated, which is great. He was able to take his bias out of it. I know him and Ngannou, like he left Ngannou's, Ngannou left his camp to go train with Eric Nixon at Extreme Couture. Uh, but honestly, I think, you know, it's uh, it's great that Lopez was able to be analytical about the fight. He was saying that in the room, uh, you know, Ngannou was the harder worker and Cyril was the more talented guy uh, who sometimes didn't get up for it, you know, sometimes didn't work as hard. And I think we can see that, right? We can see that Cyril... He's been relatively untested, right? He hasn't been touched. Nothing's been going on with him. Uh, I don't want to make a prediction just yet. I don't think we should go as far as to do that. I think we wait. But uh, what what do you make of this? What do you make of the fact that uh, he's talking about his own guy and saying that he doesn't work as hard? I mean, being around (laughs) combat sports and uh, just that, uh, your entire life, you know that the people that work the hardest are always going to be the best that's yeah. what i have to say about that so yeah. it really uh it says big a lot of things about what he thinks about the two fighters and you know just their personalities in general so yeah that's kind of what i got yeah that's uh it's a good summation man and uh, i think it speaks a lot to the level we've seen from francis the, the level jump that he's yeah, experienced recently the wrestling yeah. defense and all that wrestling uh, defense and fighting behind the jab and going to the body these things we see from higher level strikers that we didn't have from him early in his career not everything's to knock you out anymore worried about that in this fight worried that he you know but i i, I think that eric nixick and them are gonna have a but anyway we'll get into that more later uh so now we're gonna get into uh one of our segments on this show a recurring segment that we're gonna call izzy and charlie fix shit uh as knowing a lot about combat sports and observing things in the way that we do, we consistently have these predictions and thoughts about who are the best fighters in a weight class. And, you know, you find a year or two down the line that it actually shakes out that way, that the UFC rankings look very similar. And we've noticed this phenomenon. We've had conversations about this. So uh, we're every week we're going to pick a couple weight classes, get into uh, who we think are the actual top five in each weight class. So how this will go, I'll start by saying five, you'll say you're five, and then we'll, we'll four, four, three, three, uh, yada, yada. So we'll start now with uh, – can you start with 35? What do you think? Uh, let me take a look. We're talking about 35. Yeah, sure. So who's your uh, who's your fifth best fighter at 35? We're going to start with – can we start – you want to start at number five? Yeah, start at number five. Um, you know, I think um, there's a lot to be said for Rob Font still being ranked number five in this division. I mean, even coming off of that uh, loss, he still has looked great. I mean, it was a good performance. And I see, you know, a lot of these guys 
that are lower than him have not fought the same type of fighters that he has. So very fair. I had Rob Font as my honorable mention, sixth ranked guy. Uh, my fifth pick is going to be it's going to make a lot of people really angry. Uh, I am a little bit of a hater. I don't like this guy. I've made it very apparent. Uh, I'm going to go with TJ Dillashaw in my five spot. Uh, I mean, me and you agree he lost that fight to Corey Sandhagen. We think For he sure. lost fight. It was a close fight. He looked good. We can tell that it wasn't just the steroids carrying him through his career, but we agree that he lost the fight, even though he got his hand raised. And Corey moved into the winning position, right? Corey advanced to fight for the interim title while he sat on the sidelines. So the win-loss of that fight doesn't matter as much now that he's on the shelf for knee surgery. Also, I hated the way he came out after the fight, making sure to make sure that everyone knew that it wasn't Corey who broke his knee. It wasn't Corey who fucked up his knee with the heel hook. He did it to himself. It wasn't anything that Corey did. So I And I, obviously, Corey had that heel hook and TJ turned the wrong way. That's what happened. But... Uh, so are we doing top five in a champion or just top five? Top five. Okay. Um, is that, is that a... It's a, I'll, I'll drop Rob Font to number six. Okay. And you're not, it's, it's sorry okay. for miscommunication, folks. Number five for Charlie Fox is? Um, I'll take Jose Aldo at number five in this division. Yeah. He still has a lot to prove to me, I think. The hands are there, and he's for sure a threat. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think he's proved as much at the division as other guys. And, you know, with the age and everything, there's a lot of young, great fighters in this division. So, I'll take Jose Aldo. And uh, your number four pick. Who are you sticking in at number four there? Oh, geez, somebody's calling me. Okay. Uh, at number four, I will... Well, professionals out here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, TJ Dillashaw at number four. You know, yeah. I think uh, Corey for sure got it against him. I yeah. mean... He's a great fighter, you know, always been a great fighter since we've been you know, following him, but take him at number four. Okay. Uh, number four, I'm going with uh, Corey Sandhagen. Uh, I think he's, I mean, in any other era, right? He's the guy. He's so talented and uh, he's young. I agree with Ariel Hawani that in the future, he will be a champion. We'll see uh, Corey Sandhagen with a belt yet. Uh, but, you know, at this time, you know, coming off a tough loss to Peter Jan, Taking that Aljo loss quick. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's got the legs hanging in the top three of this division as of yet. All right, your number three pick, sir? My number three pick, uh, coming in at number three, we got – one second, sorry. Who am I looking at? Uh, one second. Jeez. Coming in at number three, we got – oh, Sanhagen, right, of course, yeah. Um, You know, this guy, like I said, the fight with him and TJ, Razor Close – um, these other two guys, you know, Aljamain Al Sterling, you know, kind of put a whooping on him, and Peter Yan, the other two guys at the top of the division. Peter Yan has looked great, so number three, Corey Sanhagen. Perfect. All right, I'm going to go with my number three as the current reigning defending UFC bantamweight champion, Aljamain Sterling. Uh, I, I like, I like, uh, I like Aljo's career resurgence. I like, I like how he's looking. Uh, I'm a huge Aljo fan, always have been. Uh, I, I love, you know, I love his style. I love, you know, back to the D3 roots. Me and him actually had a brief Instagram conversation about D3 wrestling in New York. It was awesome. I'm a huge fan of the guy. Uh, but, you know, in that Jan fight, man, it, it looked like he was just a little too excited, man. It looked like he he thought that he was just going to get Jan out of there. He thought that he was going to come out and fire like he did against Sandhagen and Jan was just going to wilt. And Jan did what he always does. He's going to weather the storm and come after you. So, 
Uh, I think as of right now, based on what we've seen in terms of fight results, uh, in terms not necessarily results, but in terms of uh, highest level competition, uh, I'm going to go with Aljamain Sterling at number three. Who's your number two pick? My number two pick is uh, my man's truly Aljamain Sterling. <laughs> he is reigning defending champion of the world. Yes, the undisputed, not undefeated, but uh, <laughs> well, it's, you know, he, now, uh, there's an interim title. There's an interim title, but. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he is the champion, uh, but Perion looked better in that fight. Everybody knows that. I mean, like I said earlier, Aljamain kind of came out on fire, not really looking like there was a lot of method to the madness. And he just got, you know, beat by a technically more sound fighter on that night. And that's what we see from Perion. So I got Aljamain selling at number two. Yep. So he's got Aljo at two, Peter Yana at number one. I will agree with your Peter Yana number one pick. Uh, I was not in the belief of this before the Sanhagen fight, but wow, did he look good against Sanhagen, right? Like he, he looked, he mm-hmm. did something to Sanhagen that nobody's ever done. He beat him, right? He beat him for real. So that's my number one. Number two is going to surprise a lot of people. I'm going with Jose Aldo based on what we saw this weekend, based on what we saw from the power and based on what we saw from his fight with Peter Yan, right? We saw in his fight with Peter Yan, if I was two, two going into the fifth, I believe it was watching the fight fourth round, maybe a 10, eight, very close fifth round, man, that was the latest stoppage in UFC history. I think I got beat. <laughs> really bad it was brutal and i thought after that jose might not be the same guy but he's shown that he is and he's gotten better every fight we've seen he's gotten better i want to see him in a tj dillashaw fight next uh i want to see him fight tj dillashaw i want to see him get that fight uh, and i want that to be the number one contender to face the winner of Piotr Jan Brzezovic. So that's what i think we should we should do with this division and i think that's how you fix this shit for sure right, let's go to 55 all right, coming in at number five for me, I got you know, a guy who's gonna got a fight scheduled right now. Great fighter, great win streak. Vinny uh, Aldariu, shown great toughness, great finishing skills. Never been in a boring fight. All around exciting fighter. And I got him coming in at number five at this weight class. I agree. I got uh, Benil Dariush coming in at number five at this weight class. Uh, I think Benil's finally getting his due. One of the nice guys in the sport. Uh, I, I love uh, love listening to Benil talk. He's one of the really really good dudes talking about you know getting that Tesla to keep his daughter safe and uh, really, really heartwarming. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I like Benil in this five spot. Uh, I think we'll get to see if he's as good as he thinks he is against Islam, but Islam's a tall task for anyone. So yeah, sure. Who's in your, who do you got in your four spot? In my number four spot, um, I got a guy who, you know, is the most, one of the most exciting fighters in UFC, UFC history, uh, Maybe my favorite fighter to watch of all time, Justin Gaethje. Dude's never been in a warring fight. He's all out scrapper. If there's one dude you want to watch from the UFC that, like, you just want to watch him, it's Justin Gaethje. The dude's awesome. Yeah, so not a lot of hot takes going on in these picks. Uh, I'm going to agree with you there. Go with Justin Gaethje at four. I have a feeling our next three is going to shake out very similarly, too. But uh, <laughs> let's, let's figure that out. Number three. At number three, we got – uh, a guy who's made a huge name for himself uh, more recently by fighting, you know, Conor McGregor. He's a great fighter, uh, tough as hell. He's got that style where he just puts you against the fence and rips you and never quits. True scrapper, great jiu-jitsu game, all-around great mixed martial artist, Dustin Poirier. And I really give you a chance to look smart by going first, huh? It's <laughs> really, really rough. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I think. Dustin Poirier's boxing is what's taken him to this uh, new and improved level. Uh, we both picked Charles. We both picked Charles Oliveira this weekend. But if Dustin does get it done, be one of the feel-good stories in MMA of the last couple of years. 
Number a great two. guy. Got his, uh, got his uh, good thing going down. Yeah. I bought a t-shirt for 90 fucking dollars from uh, Robert Graham. It's, it's a great t-shirt. I wear it all the time. Uh, and yeah, girlfriend, put it with me. For, uh, okay. I guess we can drop right in number two. Maybe it'll shake out a little different. Too. I don't think so. I got uh, number two. The best jiu-jitsu player in the yeah. UFC right now. Improved a lot on the feet with the striking. He puts it all together. Leader and finishes in UFC history, right? Uh, Charles Oliveira. Yeah, man. Uh, we both know who we think is the best guy in this division at this time. I mean, that doesn't uh, everybody? Doesn't everybody knows who they think it is? He's got to prove himself. But uh, yeah, I got uh, Charles Oliveira, number two. Been one of my favorite fighters since I started watching fighting. Uh, just from the raw guy that we saw you had makes UFC debut at like nineteen. Uh, had that crazy uh, back standing back rear naked choke against Efrain Escadero. Literally taught me that calf slicer when I was watching the fight. I'd never seen that before, and then I went and drilled it. It was sick uh next couple of fights he's got some crazy wins uh love watching this guy fight hope he keeps winning yeah i'm coming in number one Sleep. we got the man the myth the legend aka my brother is call <laughs> him uh yeah. this guy has looked absolutely unstoppable you know just like khabib did and i've even heard daniel cormier talk about how the striking for islam always came more natural than it did for khabib and i you know he doesn't have that clean undefeated record like Khabib did, but he got hit. You know, everybody gets hit. I'm sure Khabib's gotten hit in practice and all that. And this guy, you know, on any day, he can take you down and beat and, you know, suck your soul, just like Khabib yeah. used to do people. Yeah. I mean, what we saw against Dan Hooker, a guy who went five rounds with Dustin Poirier, five hard rounds. Uh, yeah, this guy's not getting beat for a long time. Uh, and it's, it's crazy because this division is the deepest in all of combat sports. But, you know, what can you say? They, yeah, only, they only make them. They only like make them like that in the mountains of Dagestan. So Islam Makhachev is the best 155 pound fighter in the world right now. I completely agree. Going up to 205 now. Uh, we'll start with your. How about that? What? You could take this one first. I'll go after. Okay. Okay. My number five pick is also going to surprise a lot of people. I'm showing some recency bias here. Uh, I'm going to go with Jamal Hill. Uh, it's a pretty crazy pick for me. Uh, considering I wasn't even like, I picked Jimmy crew to win this fight, but dude, this Jamal Hill, this version that we're seeing of him where he's not even letting Jimmy crew get close to him. He dropped Jimmy crew and Jimmy crew recovered, right? He was, he was better. And then he hit him with the same thing again. So he's setting traps at high speed. Plus you know, he's not like, he looks like a normal dude, right? Like he looks like a guy. looks like a good dude. I'd like Jamal Hill. I want to see him keep winning. I'm going with Jamal Hill in my number five spot. Which is a huge like take, yeah. hot I mean, take, but uh, I, you know, right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a hot take, but uh, yeah, I'm taking a risk with that one. Coming in number five for me, I got a guy who I really enjoy watching. Super exciting Brazilian fighter. He's hung, hung in there with John Jones. I mean, you clearly by the look on your face, you don't like that pick, but I think this guy is still as dangerous as he's ever been, and he can stop any of these guys at the top. Coming in with Thiago Santos. Yeah, I mean, I like Tiago Santos. I liked Tiago Santos, but he's in all these, like, I mean, I was just so disappointed by the Johnny Walker fight. I thought that was going to be fireworks. I gassed it up to all my friends, and then we watched it, and it was terrible. One of the worst fights I've ever seen. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's a more correct rankings-wise pick, but, you know, got to encourage you to be a little more courageous here, Chuck. All right, getting to number four, I got Magomed on Kalayev. Uh I think that we haven't even seen what this guy can do. He could be the best fighter in the world. We don't know. Uh, 
I mean, we saw him against Volkan. Uh, Volkan's a tough, tough fighter with huge, powerful hands. And I mean, Uncle Ive didn't even try. It looked like, like it looked like he just like was on the outside tapping him up. And that's what we see from these dogs. Like this is the first iteration of a Dagestani fighter that we're seeing who doesn't rely on the wrestling really. He's on the outside. He's striking. He's using his length. I really want to see what Uncle Ive's tra- trajectory in this division is, and I look forward to seeing it. You got some hot takes. These guys still got a lot to prove for sure. <laughs> Stuck to the, you know, the numbers a little bit more. Uh, coming in at number three, we got number four, or number four, right? Sorry, we got this guy uh, who's an extremely good kickboxer. Uh, he's kind of shown, you know, to be. Uh, he hasn't shown much in the wrestling defense game, but this guy's like super technical, great fighter, Alexander Rakic. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I. I I like the take. I think Rackage is really good, but nah. <laughs> I just don't like watching him fight. I don't like watching him fight. And he's getting a technical guy. I mean, yeah. And so we actually get a chance to see him fight uh, against my number three pick, Jan Blahovich, uh, in the next couple of months. That's a fight that was just announced this past week. And, uh, you know, I, I, I really hope that Jan we saw last weekend doesn't show up again. Uh, I like seeing Jan at this later stage of his career coming with that power. And I picked Glover to win this fight in the wrestling. I thought it was going to be a decision. I actually thought I, I picked the submission, actually, but I thought it was going to be later. I thought Glover was going to wear on him and get down with the, the Polish power and you know get dropped a couple times and start figuring it out. Uh, I didn't expect John Jan to kind of like lay a goose egg, not really do much, uh, not really have much in the way of offense or defense. So, I mean, almost a submission with a can opener in the first round, which is, which yeah. is you know, uh, yeah. But so Jan Blahovich is my number three pick. Uh, coming in number three, I got Jan Blahovic as well. Uh, dude showed incredible. I mean, he surprised everybody by beating Israel Adesanya, but at the same time, and you know, great win over Dominic Reyes to earn the belt. But at the same time, you know, these guys at the bigger weight class, they hit a lot harder and are a lot more physical in that grappling game. And clearly that showed against Glover, you know, who's a grappler, kind of just took him down, be, you know, does what Glover does. So coming in number three. Gajanbohovic. So we have an interesting one-two pick here. I'm not sure if you're going to go with me on this. I have a feeling that you are. Uh, my number two pick. This was hard for me too, from what we've seen in these guys' fights. But um, it's, it's obvious with the one-two split that uh, who these two fighters are going to be. I went with number two, the reigning defending UFC light heavyweight champion Glover Teixeira. Number one, Yuri Prohaska. Even though we saw Prohaska get taken down by Dominic Reyes, right? We also saw him get up very quickly. And we also saw that he was able to stuff takedowns and even get on top. So Dominic Gray is nowhere near the wrestler that Glover is. But just that we're even seeing that against an athlete uh, like Dom, I like Yuri's chances of stopping the takedown against Glover. And then, man, the way he throws punches. The way that guy gets after it, he's like dog chasing the bone. That guy is – He might be the champ at 205 for a really long time. He might be. He might be. He might be like – I don't want to use throw around uh, John Jones lightly, but you know the second coming because we haven't seen him on the ground, we haven't seen any of his submission work really, and he has a, a loss on his career to King Mo back in the day, uh, a couple years ago. But you know, obviously, any you know crazy thing about this guy is he turned down his first opportunity to fight in the UFC. He wanted a chance to develop more in Ryzen. I think that was a great call from him, and uh, really looking forward to seeing him challenge for the belt uh, sometime mid middle of next year. Yeah, for sure. I think if he can stop, you know, the the takedowns and 
it's really going to be a long night for Glover. You know. Yeah. All right, so we go to heavyweight now. This is uh, one of my hottest takes of the evening. I have a couple of really hot takes here. I got, I got one in there. All right, uh, we're going to start with uh, Charles Lawrence Fox coming in with his fifth pick. Coming in at number five, I got you know great wrestler, has proved a lot in the UFC. Uh, Curtis Blades, I mean, great fighter all around, super technical, just hasn't been able to really piece it all together lately. Yeah. And I, I agree with you there. I, I have Curtis in my five spot. Uh, I think he's in danger of becoming a gatekeeper uh, as the heavyweight division develops. But right now, I think with the wrestling and uh, with his power, I think that, uh, you know, he's getting it done in a good way. I have a feeling that our lists are going to look pretty similar. For some oh, I don't reason. think so. You don't have my four pick. I guarantee it. Uh, I, I might. Who's your four pick? Uh, coming in number four, we got Funny guy, uh, for sure a hot take on this one. Great boxer from England, Tom Aspinall. Oh. Uh, and I, I know you like Aspinall, but he's he's in a rush not to rush himself. I consider putting Aspinall on my list in the five spot. I just don't think we've seen enough from him yet at the high levels. Uh, we saw him win a, a top 13 fight. You know, he's good, but he's got a lot to prove. Uh, my number four pick is Chris Dawkins. Uh, this is a very hot take. Uh, yeah, very ranked, ranked sixth or seventh in the world, but uh, he just beat Shamil Abdurman. I'm sorry, Shamil, I can't pronounce your last name, but uh, so in that fight, what we saw is we saw DC get on Chris a little bit because he sat back, right? He sat back and he was, wasn't was super active early, but uh, he went, he went, he showed that power. And he showed that against a guy who's really, really tough and has been a mainstay in the division for a really long time. He's booked for a fight with Derek Lewis next month. Or yes. actually, three um, weeks now, two weeks? Two, two three weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. It's the card yeah. after that. I'm, I'm picking him to beat Derek Lewis uh, and send Derek Lewis's career kind of downhill. Unfortunately, I love Derek Lewis, but I, I don't think – I think his time at the top of the heavyweight division is, is limited. Uh, okay. And I think he's making his way down. All right. Number three, your pick. For me, five, we got the greatest heavyweight of all time, the fireman from Cleveland, Stipe Miocic. Uh, he's, you know, only has that, that his last fight was that lost in Ghana. I think he's sitting, waiting, kind of trying to get that fight again after this whole thing plays out. But right now, these top two guys, you know, they're really next level. So I'm going to have to go number three, Stipe Miocic. It's rough for me, man. Uh, I love Stipe. Uh, but didn't have the heart to include him here. Uh, I think that <laughs> I think that's that a rough uh, one. I think that his uh, the days of him. You think he's going to retire? I think yeah, his days of competing with the bigger, more athletic heavyweights uh, are behind him. I love listening to him talk. I love his podcast. But uh, with number three, I took a really, really hot take, and I went with Francis Ngannou, uh, the reigning defending Jeez. UFC heavyweight champion. <laughs> I think that. Uh, <laughs> I think that, that is I think that uh, you know thinking he's, he's, he's an incredible fighter and he showed some great things. I love his story, uh, but I think our top two picks are going to be uh, are going to be indicative of very different. Oh. This. Yeah, right. your number two. You have it. Oh my god! Anyway, continue. Uh, Daniel Cormier in the rankings or something? <laughs> no, I don't. Okay, number two, we got um. I think you guys might know where this is going by my reaction from the last one. Uh, the guy that was said to not be as hard of a worker in the gym, 
Cyril gone, even though he's like <laughs> untested. I mean, uh, it's hard to pick anybody over the current champion with the way he looked in his last fight. You know, that guy's the touch of death. So as of right now, I'm picking Cyril to win that fight. I have him in my number two spot. Um, <laughs> you're so confused. I have a number one. <laughs> Who do you have a number one? You're Francis, you're number one? Francis Ngannou, the heavyweight champion of the world for a reason. Beat, John you know, Jones. Jones. Oh, I don't even have this guy in my rankings. Yeah. I don't, he'll yeah. never you got to do your research. You got to do your research. He's going to fight the winner of this fight most likely if he shakes out with these legal battles. But as we know from the UFC, I mean, Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal. Jones will be until someone challenged until someone beats John Jones. I will never pick against John Jones again. That's right. Francis is going to blow his head off, dog. I, I am. Pick, I think John Jones is the best heavyweight in the world until someone tells me otherwise. That's where okay, I'm at. Fair enough. I was just like looking at these rankings. <laughs> John Jones is not in the heavyweight rankings. He hasn't competed at heavyweight, but he's in the pound for pound rankings as a heavyweight. Uh, and I look forward to seeing his debut. I look forward to seeing if he can put it up. I do think that if he wins the heavyweight title, there is no more conversation about who's the best fighter of all time. I would agree there. Yeah, for sure. All right. So our next segment, uh, we got a fun one for you guys. Uh, it's our top five game of the week. Uh, we each have a game that we're going to bring forth every week uh, to uh, kind of uh, put our knowledge of combat sports to the test. Um, uh, he's going to be, you know, Charlie's more funny guy than me. He likes to pride himself on that really sociable guy. Really. I, I think I, I think I'm more with it with the research and my acumen uh, in terms of, you know, I'm one credit away actually from having this uh, journalism degree from New York University. We'll see if I get there. Who knows? Uh, journalism minor, minor. Um, so our top fives this week, we're going to compare our top five lists. Uh, we're starting with uh, the more nuanced, more MMA uh, list. We're going to go with uh, best older, we went with best old head comebacks, like best older fighters that are coming back uh, that have, have staged comebacks later in their career, as we've seen a lot in the last couple weeks. So I'll let you start with your five. Wait, well, I thought, bro. I thought I was doing my five and you were doing your five. All right, we can do it that way. That's fine. For for uh for the future, we'll do it the other way. But uh okay, my fault. We're prepared this week. We can do it this way. Uh right on my number five, I'm gonna go with Jose Aldo. Uh in his recent career resurgence. I think it's been really awesome. Uh I think that uh, you know, the way that he's looked against Rob Font and his power, uh, I think it's you know, I think it's been really good. I I, I really like to see this comeback from him. And I I think that uh I'm looking forward to seeing him getting that TJ fight getting that in that number one contender spot and fighting Peter Yan again. I think that uh, getting that Peter Yan fight back, if he wins that fight, he'll be on number one on my list. He'll shoot up. For sure. Number four, I'm going to go with Andre Arlovsky and his late career resurgence uh, after he went off to out against Tim Sylvia and all that. No, no, no. I'm talking about when he came back from his strike force days and from his Invicta days, he came or not Invicta affliction. He, uh, he came back to UFC, beat Travis Brown. He had a great run. He was near the top of the division before he ran into one CP Miocic uh, and put together a really good run when nobody really thought he could, right? Like, I, you know, and he's still winning fights. He's like on a four fight win streak right now or three fight win streak. Dude is like, he's only lost to Tom Aspinall. His time. But like, <laughs> that's the thing. Nobody, no, like, he's doing the same thing and it's still working, right? So can't fault him for it. He's still making his bag. Uh, uh, love Andre coming out of the uh, Chicago area where we're from. Uh, very nice. Uh, number three, I'm going to go with one of the. Or number three, I'm going to go with one of the more recent stories we have here: Glover Teixeira uh, coming out of Danbury, Connecticut, uh, making a run at the title, a train with Chuck Liddell and all those uh, old heads over at the pit. 
Uh, love to see this story. It's very heartwarming. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think I think it's up there. Don't think it really compares to number two or number one on this list, though. Number two, Robbie Lawler, uh, coming out of Strike Force, coming off this, uh, you know, really being a mid level, more more so an attraction in the UFC, right? Like he hit hard. Good for him. Coming from a guy who's getting beat up by Melvin Manhoff, and you know, had some things that really didn't go his way in Strike Force. Coming in and getting those wins over uh, over Josh Koscheck and uh, getting that crazy win over uh, Rory McDonald, which I, I watched it. I think we watched it together in an Albanian bar when I was thirteen and you were like nine. I remember that. That's yeah, that was that was like that was the same night where GSP fucking lost to Johnny Hendricks. Yeah. I just saw it the other way, but anyway, number one is Randy Couture coming back off his retirement, beating Tim Sylvia. Uh, and one of what the truly is the like, one of the feel good stories of uh, MMA in history. Uh, you know, I love Randy. I don't, you know, don't necessarily always agree with some of the things he has to say, but you know, whatever. Uh, Randy's Randy's summative of MMA, and uh, yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think you're missing George St. Pierre on that list, buddy. Oh uh, no, nah, George St. Pierre had one fight. Yeah, but uh, no, no career. Back, back. I mean, he did what nobody else has done in the history. Of this. How many years did he take off? You know, yeah, fair enough. Off. Fair enough. May have been a misentry here. May have been a misentry, but uh, good on George. All right. Anyway, uh, we're moving on to your list, more, the more comedic side. Top five. What's your top five this week, Char? I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I have my my picks as well. I'll weigh in after you do yours. But yeah, we can go one at a time, actually. Okay. If you want to do that, uh, we got a miscommunication about our first list, but uh, we get into it. All right. Still in the the beginning stage of the show. Take it easy. We're, we're getting it worked out. We're getting it worked out. We're getting it worked out. All right. Top five. Okay. Straight into it. Top five worst hairlines. Starting at number five for Mr. Fox over there. Starting at number five, we got a guy that not a lot of people have heard of. And doing a lot of research on the internet, this guy is just all around the ugliest dude I've ever seen fight in the UFC. I mean, he is just looks like, I don't even know, he looks like he's from a different planet. Tamden McCrary. This guy hasn't fought since 2016, but he is the deep guy. Hey, pull up the, do you have a picture of him? you share your screen or no? Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Give me one second here. Hey, take your time. Take your time. I have mine pulled up because I'm the professional, but uh I mean, come on. This guy, <laughs> this guy is not it. Oh, it got the slow Wi-Fi and everything. Jesus. Yeah. Your Wi-Fi has been going in and out. Oh, it's disabled participant screen sharing. Oof. Oh, my by fault. All right. No, never mind. We we can just go uh, straight here. What's your five? Oh, my number five pick. Uh I'm actually, you know, I'm going with some recency bias because I love this man's hair. We have a history with this man's hair. And this weekend, man, it just looked really bad. It looked really bad. Clay Guida is going so bald, bro. And it's so sad. He's going so bald. And I love Clay Guida, man. I, I'm going to love him forever. But, bro, you got to fix that. You got to just shave it. You do. And I, I love your hair, but you got to shave it, man. You got to shave it. All right. You're number four. For me, number four, the number one pound for pound ranked fighter in the UFC. This dude just needs to shave everything <laughs> off. I swear, he probably spends, like, so much money on his haircuts to try to get his hair to look nice, but you can still barely even see it. Kamari Usman, just just go shiny-headed, bro. It, yeah. You're wasting your time. All right. Uh, yeah, number four, I'm going with uh, UFC commentator Joe Rogan. <laughs> this guy's evolution, <laughs> his evolution of his hairline has just been – it's been masterful. It's been it's been great to see over the years as we've evolved into the now uh, Mr. Clean Joe. Uh, yeah, I got Joe in my honorable mentions. I only thought it would be right to mention him. 
right next to the current UFC president, who yeah. are practically twins at this point. They're just blobs <laughs> of steroids. They're literally just two massive steroids that look really like they have to right thumb next to each other. All right. So get, in, get into your number three pick. I think you have the right to have Dana next to him. Number three. Number three um, I'm sorry I have to do it to you, but Rose Namahunas, it's just not it, bro. I'm sorry. I love you, Rose, but no you just got to grow your hair out. I mean, no all comment. respect to you. No comment. No comment. No comment. No, no comment for me. I don't. Uh, yeah, no comment. Um, number three, I have your number four pick, uh, Kamaru Usman. Uh, I think, you know, just ugly, man. You got to fix that. You're, you're, you're just striping young lad. Like with the suits, it's great. You just got to fix that hair, man. You do. All right. For real. Uh, you're number two. Number two, we got maybe my favorite fighter in the history of the UFC. Fat man himself, all about that cake and chicken. Oh, yeah. Daniel Cormier. <laughs> I mean, there's some of these pictures that I'd be finding online, though. The, the way that he'd be taking these pictures of his hair, it's like you're trying to do it to yourself. Wait, I got it. I'm going like, to pull it up. I'm going to pull it up. He's tweeting about, oh, my hair is going. Like, I'm pulling it up. I got that right here. I got that right here. <laughs> so, Daniel right Cormier. Right here. Yeah, right that, here. that's the one right there. Like, why are you posting that on Twitter? You're just asking for it, dog. You're really just asking for it. Yeah, that was that was pretty terrible. I can't believe he really put that out there. That's uh, that's a tough one. All right, and we all know who our number ones are. But uh, well, who's your number two? You got DC? Yes, I do have DC as my number two, because there's only one number one. There really is. There really is. Uh, this guy is my only uh, entry that is not a MMA fighter, just because you know it's that obvious. This dude. This dude's dirt ugly too. He's looked like he's 72 <laughs> going since he's been in college. I mean, when I first started watching college wrestling, I thought this guy looks like he's 60. And I swear it's been like 12 years since I started watching college wrestling and he's still in college and he's still wrestling. And he can't age because he just looks old as time. He looks exactly the same. Alex Marinelli. I'm sorry, bro. I'm pulling up the screen here right now for Mr. Marinelli. Marinelli. I love you. Great style of wrestling. Right here. It's just terrible. <laughs> like, yeah. Look at the one below it. Like, he, half of his head is pretty bad. Oh my God. It, it's just That's not terrible. it. Dude. It's not it. It's not it. It's not it. Go look no. on the man's Instagram right now. It's, it's terrible. So horrible. All right. All right. I got to come down from that for a minute because, man, that guy's, guy, that guy's ugly, man. He's really. You know, I. I uh, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Talking about Alex Marinelli, uh, we can get into the Iowa match from this past weekend. We're going to get into a little bit more talking about outside of uh, just mixed martial arts now. I'm talking about a little bit of combat sports. I know we got Jiu-Jitsu Worlds coming up, too. I haven't really done so many research into the Gi Worlds. Uh, wishing all my guys from Unity good luck. Uh, Italamora, Levi Jones-Leary, uh, and all the other lower belts that are competing. Uh, looking real good. But uh, talk about wrestling. Uh did you happen to catch that Iowa versus Iowa State duel match? Duel meet? No, I'm sorry, I didn't. I mean, I'm watching a little bit of the Iowa highlights and you know the select matches that Big Ten Network posts on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. So uh, if I can just explain it to you, uh, what happened in the duel? Uh, Austin DeSanto is wrestling this kid uh, with a last name I can't pronounce and first name I, you know, don't know. But it's a, uh, he's a, uh, it's a close match, right? This guy's a he got a U23 world. Team trials win over Pat Glory, uh, really good wrestler from Iowa State. He's unranked, but he hasn't just had the chance to prove himself in folk style yet. 
Santo wins five or six four, I believe. And they go off the mat. This guy, this guy throws an elbow back into Santo's head, and Santo just loses his mind. He loses his mind, and he loses his mind for the rest of the duel. Uh, he loses his mind for the rest of the duel. He's uh, running up to the commentator, Kyvin Gadsden, and yelling at him, saying, "Commentate that!" I don't know. And then at the end of the duel, the Brands brothers get in some kind of fight with, uh, you know, the Iowa coaching set or the Iowa State coaching staff, and the both benches clear. You see big Tony Cassiope just trying to break everyone up, shake hands. It's all love. Love that guy. Uh, but, you know, what I'm, uh, what I'm curious about is uh, we've seen this type of behavior from Austin Santo for a long time where he's fighting people and getting in bad situations. I thought it had stopped a couple years ago when he had been getting up there, getting ranked number one in the country, told media that he was uh, seeking therapy for his uh, anger problems and that kind of situation. It's very apparent that this has stopped now. He's had incidents in the past couple of weeks where he's uh, threatened to physically assault a teammate's dad during a wrestle off. Uh, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on Austin DeSanto and his lack of punishment and uh, what we can expect from him moving forward. Well, Austin DeSanto, first of all, I've got to say this guy is a great wrestler. Awesome. Fun to watch. He puts that pace on everybody um, for sure. Hoping for the best for him. I mean, he's got some personal stuff he needs to deal with, dude. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, been a problem his whole career, like you said. And, you know, I'm not in that wrestling room, but I'm hoping, you know, the Brands Brothers are not softies, bro. I'm hoping yeah. there's some type of punishment there. And I think they know what's best for him. And I think he probably knows what's best for him. So I'm just hoping they can get that all sorted out so we could see him truly at his full potential and that yeah. there's no trouble there yeah i want you know i want nothing but the best from the guy i think he's, you know an, an incredible wrestler i think he's got a lot of potential i just uh you know i i really want to see him do well uh i want to see him deal with this uh, mental and this stuff and uh this kind of situation and uh improve on it uh, that's what i'd like to see coming out of santa looking forward penn state as well russell this past weekend they're looking a little light as a team you know i, I like to see their 57 pounder tony negron uh, I think he really established himself in contention for that spot on the team. It's his first varsity match, and he loses a razor-thin 5-4 decision to number 10-ranked Josh Humphreys of Lehigh. Uh, they forfeit, Penn State forfeits at heavyweight uh, because Daniel Kirkflight was sick. They got uh, Max Dean and uh, Carter Starocki, really kind of, and RBY, obviously, have been the anchors in their lineup. Uh, just wondering what you think of uh, Penn State's national title chances in a year that now has a lot of emerging contenders. I mean, Penn State, obviously, Kale in that wrestling room and all that. And they had such a great run with all these great recruits back in the day with Zane and Jason Nolf. And I think, you know, those days may be coming somewhat, you know, or at least this year, like you are saying, it's not looking the same. You know, they got Starachi and RBY, that great duo, and they got Kirk Fiel and a bunch of great wrestlers. But there's so much talent, you know, around the United States right now. And – I think it's going to be hard for, for them to get it done in a national title. I mean, it's yeah, a national yeah. title is a big feat for any wrestling team. And I don't see Penn State being able to do it this year. So speaking about uh, Penn State wrestling just a little bit more, uh, this weekend we saw an interesting story where Jason Nolf and Kyle Snyder went to Russia, went to Dagestan, and hung out with Abdul Rashid Sadulayev and his friends. <laughs> uh, they had dinner. They broke bread. I, they hung out together. What do you make of all this, man? Like, this is this is weird. We see this morning Jason Alf actually wrestled in a Russian event that he was led out to the mat by a guy wearing, like, a Squid Games costume. And there was, like, EDM music. And Jason Alf wrestled Ketek Sabalov, who's, like, a great Russian wrestler, former world champ. Jason beat the crap out of him. 
Uh, and, you know, what do you make of this new partnership, not, not partnership, but at least like friendship between uh, United States Wrestling and the Russian team? Um, we've seen a lot of rivalry over the years, obviously, and I don't anticipate anything really changing. I mean, you got Jason Olf and Kyle Snyder going out there, right? Obviously, I'm sure they're picking up a lot of great skills from, you know, the Russian guys if they are training with them, which, you know, that would say leaps and bounds, obviously, if they are actually training with them because those Russians, you know, they seem like they're a little bit secretive. Yeah. I mean, it would say a lot about the Russians, right? It would say yeah, that the, I mean, the Russians were able to yeah. win in the room. But seriously, you have to watch this event. You have to watch this event. They, like, people were getting led to the mat in Squid Game costumes. <laughs> what is going Like, they wrestled in a, a tank top and shorts. Like, and it was, like, branded tank. It was just the weirdest thing I've ever seen. The but, most Russian thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I swear. I swear. Uh, who wrestles in a tank top, man? <laughs> like, the Russian dads at the laundromat or who wrestle at the tank, in a tank top. Yeah, you're really putting it out there. All right. All right, now uh, get a chance to get to the question and answer uh, portion of our segment. You guys were very generous this week. Our first premiere. Yeah, bro, we got a lot of entry. We got a lot of questions. We got 16 questions to answer right now. So uh, I'll let you get it started off with uh, our first question. From Colin. How do I say this last name? How Lockney. many Colin, Colin Lockney. Colin Lockney from NYU Wrestling. Shout out NYU Wrestling. Yeah. Where do you see the UFC lightweight division in two years? Uh, I think we kind of went over this one a little bit in our in top five type you dig, but Islam Makachev is where I see the, the future of the UFC lightweight division. Yeah, for He's a the guy, man with the plan. He is 30 years old, but I see in two years, you know, for sure that guy will be champion. Yeah, long time. Uh, I think he'll hold the belt for a while. I think he'll do, he'll uh, achieve the thing that could be. Uh, a lot of people wanted to see Khabib do, right? Like, I, I think we could see Islam going up and doing something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, a uh, lot to talk about with Islam, but, you know, I, we, we think he's the best fighter in the world. We think he'll be the champion for a while. All right, uh, next question coming from our old pal, Danny White, uh, from Evanston. Uh, do you favor athleticism or superior technique in MMA? And do you expect more elite athletes to filter in as the sport continues to grow? Um, I'll jump into this one first, you know, the super international sport. I feel like, you know, coming from, I know this guy comes from like football background. We normally see those athletes that are like super like, like yoked, blah, 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 like, you know, huge muscles. But typically, you know, as we look at our goats of the UFC, those aren't typically the type of athletes that dominate like Khabib, not like that super huge muscles, you know, cause a lot of people say carrying around all that muscle, it gets you tired. So I, obviously prefer superior technique over athleticism in MMA. But as the sport continues to grow, I think we'll continue to see great athletes from all over the world filter in even more. And the game is only going to start to get better and better. I mean, I know these guys that were once like NFL players have been, you know, good in the UFC, but I don't think we've really seen, you know, the type of commitment where these like from a young age, some of these elite athletes are, training and i think that will make a huge difference in the history of the sport to come absolutely and we're seeing this in international emergence with dana excuse me sorry with dana white building uh these new pis in mexico and in, uh obviously he's got the one in china and then now he's going to build the one in africa right so uh, i think that with that global expansion of the sport uh, i think we're going to start to see these more elite athletes filter in and i think we go back to you know the the, the, the comparison right you know we talk about uh if you have two guys and their technique is equal, 
more than likely the superior athlete is going to win unless he gets caught. But, you know, if you, if you go back and you, you look at it, you know, the technique difference means the most the technique difference means the most. If, you, if, you, if you're comfortable in a place where the other guy is not, you're, you're looking to finish the situation in that position. I think there's a lot to be said for a, a lot of these college wrestler guys getting sure. out here sure. and doing something too. And a lot of those guys, you know, aren't really considered to be the best athletes either because, you know, these guys that were brought up in the United States, the best athletes normally either play football or basketball or, you know, some of that. But I think these guys have a ton of potential in the sport just because of their, you know, superior ground game that we've kind of seen, you know, dominate the goats of the game recently. So I think there's a lot to be said for these, you know, watch out for these guys coming out of college. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's great. I'm, I'm enjoying watching Bo Nickel coming up. I like to see yeah. him. And, and, uh, and Nick, Bryce, Bryce Meredith. Bryce Meredith, Nick Piccanini has a fight this weekend. Uh, Kyle Crutchmer's looked really good. We started to see it kind of with Deron win. Hopefully he can get back to his winning ways. I like Deron. But yeah. Uh, wrestling, baby. yeah. All right. Next question. From Nathan Strauss, also NYU wrestling. Favorite fighters on the come up, prospects with the most potential. Hamza Shimaev talk. How close is he to a title shot? Is he the only one who could be Kamaru Usman? We got a lot to break down here. A loaded question, man. So I'm going to jump yeah. in. I, but obviously, we think that Hamza is like, a, you know, he's one of the best prospects in the game. I do want to give uh, Lynn thoughts to two fighters who we've mentioned before, uh, Tom Aspinall and Chris Curtis. Uh, I think those are two real big fighters to watch right now. Yeah, and um, this guy who you're ranking in the top five, what's his name in 205? Uh, Jamal Hill, for sure. Oh, a lot of hype on him, too. I definitely. mean, this guy knocked out somebody in like 20 seconds. That doesn't happen very often. Definitely, definitely. You know, I like I want to see him coming up. I like to see that. Uh, a lot of people are going to be mad at my picks, I have a feeling. and But uh, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, you know, and so we get to the Hamza question. It's one that me and Charlie often debate. Uh, we were very convinced that Leon was the only fight for him to make. I think Gilbert Burns is a good fight. We just need we need him to be there. We need him to get a fight so he can win a fight, so he can be in the title picture. We need to see that fight. That's the only fight now, I think. I really think it's the only fight. The only way I can see this playing out in the next couple of years or next however long is Hamza's going to win and there's going to be a fight with Usman directly after that. That seems like is going to be the way for the UFC. Yeah. I mean, that's Hamzad is one fight away. If you ask yeah, me, he's one fight away. With some sense. and I mean, is he the only one who can beat Usman? I'm going to say no, because we saw Gilbert Burns clip him. We saw, but is he the only one who a majority of people would maybe pick or people would think about? I think he's already no, like, like some people would pick. Yeah. You know? I think that, uh, you know, the considerations made to Hamza Chemaev, He's going to be good, man. He's going to be something. And uh, I, I don't know who I'd pick in a fight with Usman now. I mean, we have to see Hamza. I mean, obviously, you got to pick Usman as of now because we haven't seen Hamza fight one of them top five guys. But the leech is no joke. Leech is really no joke. So I'd like to see him fight one of these guys with good wrestling defense. Yes, I'd like I mean, to see him fight, fight a Gilbert Edwards. Burns or Leon Edwards. Yeah, I would love to see it. Leon Edwards is looking what it's going to like, what it's going to happen. But I mean, I don't see how that fight goes well for Leon, really. Yeah. I know it doesn't matter. And I agree with DC that if there's any way Leon can take that fight and can move on to someone else, like a Vicente Luque type fight, that's what I would advise if I were Leon's manager. I mean, take the Vicente Luque fight, you keep yourself relevant. I think he beats Luque. Uh, and then Luque, it's an upside for him too, because he has an earlier loss to Edwards, uh, and then he can possibly avenge that. And then you can book the Hamza versus Gilbert Burns fight. And uh, mm -hmm. I also think that, you know, Hamza 
I think that Hamzat's going to be, he's going to be one of the most interesting UFC projects we've seen in a little bit. All right. Uh, getting into uh, Julian Sims, one of your close friends, asking about uh, who our goat is, some goat talk. I think we both have the same answer as of now. Uh, I think it, I'm going to go with Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, he's the only only fighter in the history of the sport that's been relatively untested uh, in his career. Hasn't really been shown any adversity through almost 30 fights. Uh, I think if it's a conversation, though, right? Because John Jones is clearly the most talent, the most uh, accomplished fighter in the sport. He's had the most title fight wins. He's done the most as champion. If John Jones wins a heavyweight title, there is no conversation. There is not a conversation. I mean, there's like obviously a lot of different ways to look at this and people like think different things. You know, you can take the accolades of John Jones. You could take what George St. Pierre stood for and the sportsmanship and what he said about and what he's done for martial arts and self-defense and teaching, you know, children about it. And that's a good statement too. But I think, you know, just watching a fight being like, dude, nobody can beat that guy. I honestly would not care if John Jones goes in there and wins a heavyweight title. I mean, unless, you know, he, he shows, you know, I, mean, I obviously didn't, I haven't, cannot like predict that performance. So if he goes in there and shows me something, you know, that I deem reasonable to be the greatest of all time. Other than that, I'm picking Khabib Nurmagomedov as my greatest of all time. Dude looked untouchable. I mean, we were always, I just remember always us like questioning, oh, this guy is like a tough matchup for Khabib, right? Oh, he's a good kickboxer. It's Barbosa, got the best kicks. Like Justin Gaethje, the pressure, you know, the the madness of it all. And Dustin Poy, you know, one of the tough, tough as hell. And he just rolled through everybody. It was like, I never any doubts about who that guy could be because he can beat everybody. Fair enough. I definitely agree. Uh, I think it's a conversation we'll be having if John Jones is able to win that heavyweight title in the coming year. Uh, all right. Uh, next question. Coming in next, uh, we got another friend of mine, Adrian Cyrus, big MMA fan. Used to talk about it all the time with him. I know this is his favorite fighter. What is your favorite part about Israel Adesanya's game? So obviously uh, we could talk about Izzy's kickboxing all day and that's like, to me, you know, the most exciting part of his game. He's one of the most exciting fighters in the UFC. He's so technical. He sets traps like nobody else. But um, a lot of people don't talk about, or a lot of people do talk about, but, you know, maybe not the super casual fan know that Izzy, even though his wrestling defense against Jan was uh, a little bit sketchy at a higher weight class, he still has put tremendous effort into his wrestling defense and has looked great in defending takedowns against high-level wrestlers. Totally agree. I like, uh, you know, obviously, Izzy striking is the best part of his game. Uh, you know, we like to see, we like to see how he manages distance and how he absolutely is in control of everything at all times. Yes. He lost control of Jan because he was, Jan hit him and he felt Jan's pressure and he had to change and Jan caught it, right? Jan has so, that like kind of offbeat timing. Definitely. He's very hard to catch up with. Yeah. You know, uh, but yeah, so... That would be my thing for Izzy. Also, I'd love to see him training with Andre Galvao. Uh, I'd love to see him getting his purple belt. I'd watch that video periodically just for a smile uh, where Andre is like pretending like he's demonstrating a technique and he takes the purple belt out. Yay, Izzy. But also there's videos of him rolling with Andre and the Rotolos. And, you know, I, I'd like to see Izzy working on his submission game. He keeps teasing that he's going to choke somebody out in a fight. Uh, I don't think I don't, it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I think he could have choked Kelvin Gaslam out in the fifth round if he wanted to. I don't think Kelvin could have really stopped much 
But uh, he was close to that guillotine, too. He was close on it. Anyway, uh, again, it's the next question coming from Liam Drury, one of my good friends here at New York University and former roommate. Uh, thoughts on the Paul Woodley situation and a hot take that Jose Aldo should retire. Boo. Uh, that is, Boo. That is <laughs> Boo. Boo. Liam, Boo. what are you talking about? Get out of here. So what, what I, he, I, I guess like, that, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Why would he be dropping down a weight class to retire? Like, yeah, I mean, you know, retire, he, 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 I get the like, you know, he's on a three fight win streak and your career on a high note being a great guy, but no, we don't want to see that. We do not want to see that. Nobody wants to see yeah. that. Nobody wants to see that. All right. I'm sorry, but yeah, I don't want to call you a casual, but yeah, I mean, get out of here anyway. <laughs> Uh, the Paul Woodley situation. We got into this a little bit earlier, but I think we were saving it for now. Uh, I'm going to pick Tyron in this fight. And I know it's going to be hard to pick, make that pick because of what we saw last time, what we saw Tyron be extremely gun shy, not really throw much. Uh, the punches he threw hurt and they worked. I thought it was a much closer fight uh, than the judges or than the media scored it. I thought split decision was about right. Uh, I thought there was an argument for a 4-4 draw. Uh, or 5-3 Jake. That's how I scored it. But uh, I like that Tyron is not having to talk to this guy for two months. I like that that's not happening. I like that he's not sitting there thinking about, oh, I'm going to beat this guy up. I'm going to do this. And then he gets hit in the fight. I think Tyron's just going to go out there and fight. Tyron's just going to go out there and fight. And he's probably got four or five rounds to fight this guy and knock him out. Uh, I think that Jake has shown that he's actually a competent boxer. I think that he's shown that he can fight on the end of his punches. I like how he's going to the body. Uh, his jab's looking good. He's bigger, thicker than Tyron. Uh, so you can use that to his advantage. Tyron didn't really get tired in the last fight, but I think that, uh, you know, that early power and pressure uh, is going to be uh, going to be where Tyron's going to get it done. I'm taking Tyron Woodley uh, with a third or fourth round knockout. Uh, you know, I want to agree with you here, but it's um, – I feel like Jake is just on this upward trajectory right now. And it's like, I'm extremely happy for Tyron, but Jake is still so new to the game of, you know, fighting. And in those upcoming years, you learn so much more than somebody who's been doing it his entire life, like Tyron Woodley. So I'm thinking that Jake Paul is going to show us that like, you know, he can get it done and I'm taking Jake. By what? Don't say it. I'll say I'll say decision. I'll say decision. But I wouldn't be I would be so sad to see Tyron <laughs> go out like that, but I would not be surprised. I mean Jake surprised the hell out of me with the first fight with Tyron. I thought he was gonna go walk in there and get his head knocked off. Yeah. And I think he looked great and this dude's a real fighter, you know. Yeah. What's crazy is that that if, if he gets knocked down and that rounds a 10-8 changes the fight for sure. I think. With that being said, Tyron still is, you know. Yeah, one of the greatest welterweights of all time deserves all the respect. For sure. Uh, anyway, uh, so we get into the next question. Uh, one of yours. For Mickey Sillins from Evanston, Illinois. Shout out, Mickey. <laughs> what do you think about Clay Guida's cardio and how is he able to use it during the fight? The wrestling man. Clay, yeah, Clay Guida, you know, his cardio has always been there his entire career. I don't think you can pick one fight where Clay Guida has ever been tired. Clay <laughs> Guida just doesn't get tired. It doesn't happen. That man will constantly, like, nod his head up and yeah. down the entire uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I know it's it goes without saying that uh, when you get hurt like that, 
it's a uh, hurts you a, a ton worse, especially to the stomach. Like he was hurt when you're gassed and, and he came out of that entire exchange looking like the fresher fighter. And you almost never see that. Yeah. I mean, he was hurt so bad. He had to give everything he had to not, you know, get finished. And he still came out of that looking the pressure fighter. That's says things about Clay. Hey, shout out to the referee, man. I would have stopped that fight for yeah, sure. Definitely. When he got dropped with that, one of those knees, I would have stopped the fight. I thought Clay yeah. was on. Uh, but you know, man, I have never seen a guy fade like that other guy did. That was, that was like, that was crazy. I, mean, I won't say I've never seen it because you see it all the time, actually. But uh, man, he really, he really put it out there to try to finish play. That's one of my wrestling matches. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, coming at you with Sebastian Patches from Boulder, Colorado. I haven't seen Illinois. One of your friends. Uh, impact of celebrities such as Jake Paul entering the combat sports space. I actually think this is very interesting. And relevant. We're also seeing this uh, boxing match with Frank Gore. We just saw that. That was interesting. Football player. Yeah. Uh, you know, great Ocho Cinco fought, right? He boxed, yeah. He did Ocho Cinco, okay. that was a good fight, too. Yeah, okay. Dude got in there, scraps that was awesome. Yeah, it's bringing a lot of eyes to the sport. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody knows it. You know, yeah, I'm all for it. talking about it. I'm all for it, too. Yeah, a lot. I, there's actually like some hate in the MMA community for it, and I just don't get it ever. Like, yeah. all these guys, they're just they're just jealous, they're not the ones, yeah. Making money, I guess. I mean, I, I hate to see him win like against real fighters, but yeah. I'll watch and I'm, I'm intrigued. I like listening to the guy talk about fighting. Like he, he offers like a, a, a contemporary perspective on it. Um, he doesn't know what he's talking about that much. I'm like, let's be real. But uh, you know, I like it. I think it's good for the sport. More eyes, the better. So I'm all for it. Okay. Coming in next question. Uh, Max Morton from where is this man going to college now? Uh, he's at a Northeastern in Boston. Northeastern in Boston, right? That's the man, Evanston Wrestling, of course. Which Bellator champion can compete for slash win a UFC title in the UFC? Have the same. We're gonna have the same answer here. The the real man in Bellator right now, outside of the UFC, is AJ McKee. I mean, oh really? This guy's. Guy I mean, this guy's a monster. He took the double champ, who I thought was you know the best fighter in Bellator, and he kicked him in the head and choked him out and threw him down like a sack of potatoes. This dude is a monster. 145 is a great division, but um, I could even see him getting it done at 135 in the UFC or 145. You know, this guy's a monster. I would love you to see would him. Pick, you would pick AJ McKee over Volkanovski, or you would say he could compete. I mean, who knows? You're right. But I think he's the best guy outside of the UFC right now. Or I mean, we also got, you know, I, the other obvious pick is uh, Kayla uh, Harrison. Oh, yeah. Okay. Kayla, uh, Kayla I, Harrison. I, I will say that uh, – the most obvious pick is fucking Corey Anderson. Corey Anderson has beat the UFC champion. Corey Anderson oh. beat Glover Teixeira. So we've seen it happen. So we know it can happen. There it is. And Glover Glover is going to be fighting for our, uh, sorry, Corey is going to be fighting. Uh, oh, what's the man's name? Vadim Nemkov for the. That's a great fight. Great fight. I'm looking That's forward to that. Nemkov is good as hell. Yeah, Nemkov's very good. Uh, he got rocked in his last, last fight with Julius and Gliskos very early, came back to win. Dominant. Uh, and Corey looked amazing against Ryan Bader, like as good as we've ever seen him. I thought he was going to win against Ryan Bader. I thought he was the fresher fighter, taking less damage. Uh, but what we saw is a Corey Anderson who's really coming into his own as, uh, with his career. So I honestly think that uh, Corey Anderson is going to be 
going to be on the lookout and we could see a situation a couple years down the line where the UFC might give him some of that money he's been talking about, but probably not. They'll probably just stay with Bellator. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, Corey Anderson is, uh, I don't see him ever getting signed to the UFC again, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Next question coming up from uh, Justin Leonard, uh, NYU wrestler. Shout out. Uh, how do you feel about Jordan Burroughs' recent tweet about getting rid of the escape point? So he wasn't exactly getting rid of the escape point. He said that, uh, you know, if you take a guy down, you're wrestling on the mat, and that guy gets out, it's one point. Uh, if I take you down and I take you off the mat or there's a stall call or there's a stalemate, I then have the option to release you with no consequence, with no point for the other guy. I don't mind this rule, especially in context of America's performance in freestyle. I think that it would help us a lot. I don't see it ever being implemented because escaping from bottom is so important and it discriminates against mat wrestlers like me. Uh, but in practice, yeah, I mean, I don't mind it so much. What do you think? Um, well, you know, I don't know too much about the international wrestling scene, but. Well, this is just um, in America. Talking about America. What would you think about getting rid of the escape point in this way? You know, I think it adds like a, um, the escape point adds like another emphasis on mat wrestling, which I really like. So I don't, I really don't see any need to get rid of it for any reason. I mean, it seems a little bit unnecessary. It's like they don't do it in Europe. Yeah, but that's what makes us different. Fair enough. All right. Uh, next question for you. Uh, this one's coming in from Ashley Reuter. Let it be known. The only girl to leave a, a question slash comment. Not necessarily combat sports related, but what does it feel like to get punched in the nuts? Um, I guess I could give you my best description. It just kind of feels like your intestines are literally being ripped out of your body. It's an indescribable feeling. It's horrible. All right. That's all I got. No comment there. Uh uh Louis Schwartz, very interesting question actually louis schwartz coming from uh i think the university of vermont maybe but uh coming from evanston uh thoughts on the next thoughts on the nick Sariana situation and its mysteries uh well so there's no not too many mysteries anymore he's uh just committed to the university of michigan this week what that is does develop a mystery for is uh does michigan have a chance now to compete for a national title. I'm going to say yes. I really think they do. Based on Dylan Raggison's performance, winning uh, CKLV this past weekend at 125, uh, and looking damn good doing it, beating All-American Chris Cannon, number six ranked record in the country, uh, with the return of Stevan Michich at 141, possibly Logan Massa even at uh, at 74. They can't like you know they're looking at a 10 All-American lineup with that happening. So uh, yeah, I mean I, I think they're definitely a title contender. I think they really are. Yeah, for sure. Right, next we got one more from Coach Dylan Randolph of is it is I, I, Evanston Wrestling? Like now. Back at Evanston Wrestling, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Let's fly from it off like that. Yeah. yeah. How do I get into watching MMA? Well, first of all, you got to get ESPN Plus, bro. I know it's expensive. It's but, not even that expensive. It's like six uh, bucks a month. <laughs> ESPN Plus. I would uh, highly suggest watching the Helwani show too. And any old cuts of all of Hawani stuff. He's a great journalist. Uh, he's got all the news, all the stuff that the UFC doesn't want to tell you. Hawani's going to tell you. He's going to ask the hard questions. And I think he's not only a great reporter, but it's funny stuff. He's just a funny guy. So I would sure. also suggest watching Hawani's content. Yeah, there'll be no Ariel Hawani hate tolerated on this this podcast. Absolutely uh, not. Yeah, I really, really love Ariel uh, pursuing me to possibly or inspiring me to possibly pursuing uh finishing this uh journalism my but who knows we'll see if that actually happens but I'm, I'm going back and forth on it all right 
we get to our newest segment, and we actually were going to include this in the show, but uh, our cousin brought it up to us in a, a Instagram reply. So we're going to get into our bets of the week. Picks for uh, UFC 269, our best value bets. We're each given two units, and uh, we're going to spread our units around. So let's see. <laughs> let's see. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, all right. Here, here's my pick. I think you have a little bit more complexity in your picks. I didn't Definitely. do too much research on the biggest so, points. One, one half unit is going to go on Amanda Nunes by first round stoppage. This is a two to one dog at the time of the look, which is just absolutely insane considering the amount of times that Amanda Nunes has finished fights in the first round. I mean, I get it. Pain is tough. She's been around, but. I'm definitely putting at least half a unit on Amanda Nunes by first round stoppage. Uh, my second is a quarter unit on Charles Oliveira by submission, which is a three to one underdog. Can you believe that? Is it the, the most submission uh, in UFC history? Three to one, under, almost a three and a half to one underdog that he'll submit Dustin Poirier. I think that's ludicrous. It's a great value on the card. I think a quarter unit there, possibly going even up to half a unit, would be a, a good spread. I'm also going to go with. Uh, Half a unit on Andre Muniz. He's on the prelims. Uh, I'm going to also take a look on the prop bets for submission odds. They weren't released at the time of the pod. Uh, but Andre Muniz coming off a retiring Jacare with an arm bar. First time in Jacare's career. One of the first times, if not the first time, Jacare's career has ever been submitted. Uh, he's coming up against late replacement Eric Anders, who's really tough. Uh, but, yeah, I don't see Anders being able to go with the grappling of Muniz. I'd like to see what the prop bets for submission come up as. Uh, so I, I put my money there on Muniz. Uh, I'm going to go half a unit. And then my big bet of the week is three quarters of a unit on Dominic Cruz for even money. Are you serious that this fight is even money? Like you, you, you look at the write-up for like, I, I just Googled it yesterday. Pedro Munoz fighting style. Pedro Munoz struggles with fast guys like John Dodson. That was one of the first senses. John Dodson. Dominic Cruz is so much faster than John Dodson. And Don, I love John Dodson. He's a great fighter. I love, love him. Watch him on American Ninja Warrior. That was awesome. But, uh, you know, yeah, I think uh, this is a terrible, terrible style matchup for a guy in Pedro Munoz who I love. Uh, and I'm going to go three quarters of a unit on Dominic Cruz. You could bet really any amount of money you want on this fight. I, I, I don't see it uh, going really any other way. I see a decision for Dominic Cruz, and that's my big bet of the week. Okay. Time to jump into my picks. You know, as far as sports betting goes, uh, I'm more of like a safe <laughs> I'm just going to this week, this week. Maybe we'll change it up next week, but I'm going to go one unit on Amanda Nunes to win by just knockout. Win. No, no round, no round, just by knockout. Okay, that's, I think actually, that's, that's actually not that uh, – I think that was like a one-and-a-half to one favorite, so not actually that bad. I, I really don't see there being much other way that fight goes. So that's a pretty safe bet. And, and then my other one, just because I like the guy, we're going to go Jeff Neal, one unit. To win? To win by – I mean, just to win. I don't need to pick anything else there. I think that guy will get it done. Great kickboxing. There's your right. picks, man. Colin, one unit, one unit pick for Mr. Fox. Uh, next week we'll come back to you guys and uh, see how our picks did. Yeah, I'm going to win more money. Yeah, you might actually. I, I made some risky ones, but I, I really just don't see these going anywhere. Anyway, well, it's been great uh, finishing up this first podcast now. Uh, really looking forward to doing this more in the future. Uh, we're going to try to get these episodes released weekly. And, uh, yeah, really uh, really looking forward to Char talking to Charlie with his roommate in the back, killing the game out there. Uh, in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, coming at you live from Eugene, Oregon, in the messiest home studio in New York City right here. 
This has been uh, Combat Club with the Brothers Fox. And uh, good night, y'all. Peace. That went pretty well. Yeah, I got to stop the recording.